Hey, welcome to the Yes, I Rent Boys podcast. Let me give you a little version of the song right here. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth. Small business. Yeah. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truth of small business. Sponsored by Yes, I Rent. Yes, I rent. Yes, I rent. Property management. Replace good tenants and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truths. He's laughing. We got the truths live. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes, I rent. Yeah, loud. Yeah. Like, that, like that might be the Dracula version of that. <laughs> yes, I rent. So, today, we're here, yes, and this is the Big Truths of Small Business Podcast with Travis Castle and Joe Watkins. Ho, ho, ho. Ho. All right, so, we, uh, we had to figure out what we we're going to talk about today, and here's what we figured. We figured this is the tape measure episode. Mm. This is about your tape measure. If you don't have one... Really shame on you. If you ain't using one, you're done. Mm. You're done, Travis. So explain a little bit about what the tape measure is. Wow. So today, Joe and I, we're in a bit of a marathon strategy session with our business. So we're in the property management business. We rent, uh, generally speaking, single family homes out, right? That's that's the sponsor of the great broadcast here. Yes, I rent. And we're, we're sort of at a turning point in our business. And we're making big decisions, so maybe maybe folks can you know uh, understand this, especially during the pandemic time. For a lot of people, uh, there are some pivotal decisions we're making, and so we're making the decision right now: how do we grow? Right, small business one hundred and one. Everybody in small business, for the most part, that I talk to, they're focused on growth, and so that's what Joe and I have been focused on today. Hey, because the reality is we've grown, um, I mean, considerably since. You know, one of the things we do poorly, and Joe and I both admit this, is we don't reflect on victories very well. Mm. And, you know, all we want to talk about really is how we're deficient here or there and how we need to do this better and that better, right? You just add something to the tape measure, ma'am. All right. If you're not using your tape measure to measure your victories mm. and, and celebrate those wins, it's tough, man. Well, then it, business is not easy. Every conversation then is about something that's well, not we're going not doing. right. Yeah, well, we're not that's doing. not going right. And look. We have talked about this today. We're, we're classically those guys. What are we not doing? What are we not doing? What we haven't been doing? We're classically that that way, and I think a lot of people are. And So the tape measure episode is, is, is we're, yeah, we're talking about, well, the you know, let's tape measure what we have done well, but let's tape measure some 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 feedback and results too as well. Right, right. You, you, you can't manage it without a baseline, right? So, so you got to have a starting point, and – one of the hardest things to do whenever you're trying to change is evaluate where you're at right now, right? So looking in the mirror is what Joe and I, you know, a lot, a lot of times we talk, we got to look in the mirror. We got, we got to see it for what it is. Man, what it is sometimes is ugly. And unfortunately right now, I'm not looking at in the mirror. I'm looking at you. Oh, um, that's a huge upgrade for you. Man, it, 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 it's a downgrade. That's a huge upgrade. <laughs> so getting serious here, guys. Um, We've learned it probably in business school. For those that didn't go to business school, you well, we're here for you. 
you cannot change what you don't measure. You got to measure it. Okay, because what's going to happen is, is you're going to change the wrong thing. You're, you're going to use your biases. We talked about that in two episodes. You're going to use your biases to alter the reality. And you're going to measure something that's confirming something you want to be true. Um, you're going to talk about the things, you know, that we're not doing because the things you are doing are not working, but you're not even measuring what's is or is not working. So what you're really doing is you're, you're just, you're in the cloud with your data. Well, there's a few things to measure and measure results, which, you know, maybe that's easy. You look at your revenue, you know, you do your monthly reports, you do your accounting at the end of the day. What, what are my results? What's my profit here? Or what's my gross revenue, what, what are my expenses? But there's another thing to measure too, and we talked about this today, and this is the part that gets a little dicey. What's your effort? Oh, What's your effort level? I mean, are you really, have you really put your finger on the part of your business that's going to affect growth? And what percentage are you all in on that part of the business? So let's get real with it. So specifically today, we're talking about marketing dollars. We want to grow we're growing slightly. We uh, we manage over 400 properties right now. We'd like to get to 600 over the next you know year or 18 months, and and to get there, your 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 business is being lost because houses are selling and other attrition is occurring. So you've got to net some serious you know growth here to to get to that number. And so as we're looking at at where we are and trying to forecast how we get to where we want to be. It's just extraordinarily easy to say and to look and say, well, I've got this marketing guy over here who's doing some work. And he's not cutting the mustard because we're not getting there. That's an easy thing to say. It's easy to externalize our lack of progress. And I think what we're trying to say here is the tape measure will start to show you what's really going on and some of what may be going on is there's not a proper lead follow-up process or there's not proper accountability on the, you know, the, the, the marketing manager or marketing team or, or, or SEO guy or whatever it may be. Right. Well, that's part of what we talked about at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's our business. So ultimately the answer always, you know, and I know, uh, Look, a lot of real successful guys that we've had on the show, this is where they all land. This is kind of one of the things that have come has come out of the podcast to, to me. Jerry Barber talked about it quite a bit. The, the, yeah. It doesn't matter who we are hiring or any third parties or any consultants that we hire, marketing firms. It's us. I mean, if there's a problem with the growth of our business, the problem is us. We either hired the wrong person, we, put, we, we gave them too much power and influence over the business or the direction of the decisions being made, or, or we just made wrong, we told them wrong things to do. All that comes back to you and me. I mean, and that's, that's holding the mirror up part of, of where are we at today? You know, where's the baseline at? So the, uh, the metaphor we came up with today I thought was really good. It's, it's good for me to think about it this way. We're, we're, we, we are thinking about our business as uh, you're a chef in the kitchen cooking a recipe. And um, I thought this was really good for, for, for our thought process is what are the things in a finished product that you would eat that would affect that product? And we came up with three or four things, and I'll try to remember those. <clears throat> One is that 
a good recipe is is important. Right. Um, one that's been tested, preferably. You're tried not and true. Maybe it's a one. recipe you found that's got you know three hundred four and a half star reviews, yeah. and so you're going okay. I mean, a bunch of people have kind of worked this recipe, and it they like it. Good recipe. Um, the second thing was that, and we're, we were talking in the context of cooking a good steak. Okay. So the second thing was well, specifically, we were talking about people coming over and you needed to, th- this wasn't you experimenting at home. In other words, this right. is, you got people coming over. You need this to work. Yeah. I mean, you're, right? they're, they're coming over. You're spending real money. You're buying filet mignon for eight people. Mm-hmm. You're cooking a steak. These are important people. These are new friends and you're trying to impress a little needs, bit. Needs to be good. You know? And, uh, and, and all that's expensive. You're, you're, you're investing in this, in this dinner. So, you know, so number one was pick a good recipe. Okay. Now for steak, that's going to be the seasonings. Maybe the, you pull it out of the refrigerator and let it sit for three or four hours to get to room temperature. And there's, there's some steps here to get this, the recipe, right? Okay. Put some garlic butter on it. There's a process here. It's a process. That's your recipe. Sear it hot and then slow cook the internal. I mean, that's that, that just come to mind for me. The next part of this, and maybe maybe more important, or at least just as important, is the piece of meat, mm. the, the, the product, the actual raw goods. Mm. What raw goods are you using to make the part that you're trying to sell the public? Or what raw goods are you making that, that, that go into the recipe that end up becoming the finished product? Well... We were at a restaurant a few months back. Remember that guy? The, the, the guy, so it was a, Peachtree City. Joe comes down to oh, my Oh, Peachtree City, yeah, Peach yeah, yeah. City. We, we go to, I uh, wish I could plug the restaurant. I can't remember the restaurant. New restaurant, great. I mean. Organ- high, organic food. Kind of high-end, really. Oh, yeah. Big, yeah. You know, kidding 20, me? I paid for it. 25, yeah. $25 piece of chicken, you know, it's high-end. But That was expensive. That's why I'm eating peanut and jelly right now. The guy came out. We started quizzing him. What about this food is phenomenal. This is really over the top. Who's the chef? Who's cooking in the kitchen? Anyway, long story short, his, his attitude was, yeah, we do have a great chef. We do, He does have a great recipe, but, man, you can't overcome the cut of meat. We're the only ones that have this particular cut of meat. He's he's right about that. And 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 we're going to bring – So okay, so we're going to get back to that. Right. You're absolutely right. So the cut of meat, the ingredients – the raw goods, the raw materials that matters. go into your finished product, it's hugely important. It matters. Now, what what did we say was the most important? of? Because uh, the third one coming up, we believe to be potentially the most important. It's the chef, Travis. Mm. The chef. Give me the, sh- give, give me the good chef. All right. The chef can take that organic piece of Georgia-grown beef and yeah, he can make it. He can make that thing a Lamborghini he, when he, it comes off that. He can add grill. about. He can add about two hundred percent value to what's already. It, it's a Lamborghini valuable. when yeah. it comes out. You're like, whoa! I'm dying. I'm going to heaven on, on yeah. this piece of steak. Okay, because he's a phenomenal chef, and he can make that thing go to Lamborghini status. You put a poor chef in there, he can take that same piece of organic beef that you paid eighteen dollars for one piece of meat. And he can make that thing a hockey puck. Yeah, sure can. Okay? The great chef can take the average, regular old piece of, of filet that came from, you know, Kroger or Food Depot or wherever you shop, Publix, Pig- Sam's. Piggly Wiggly. Piggly Wiggly. 
Wow. Okay. The one that's old that has the special sticker on it because mm. it's almost out of date. Got to sell it today. He can take that piece of meat, the great chef can, and he can massage that thing into something better than Flo's filet. Mm. He could. He could be close. <laughs> he, yeah. I mean, I love Longhorns, but Longhorns, he, baby. he could bring it in better than Flo's filet. Yeah. He could. The the great chef. Yeah. So, with that said, the chef has a serious influence on the final product, even when you have a phenomenal recipe and a great piece of meat and a great raw product. Because the recipe, why does a recipe not always work? Well, that filet I got, normally they're one and seven, eight inch thick. Well, this one was two and a half inches thick. And if I went by the same five minutes on each side, the recipe I, you know, and I did it at, at 325 degrees, whatever, that thing comes out, you know, medium rare instead of medium. Yeah. And I've got an upset customer. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of the day, what you're describing is, look, any successful business, any successful business model, when you start taking good components out of it and start saying, oh, yeah, we're really good at this part. We're not so good at this part. Well, I mean, you know, at some point, that'll work to a point. I and mean, look, there's a lot of average guys that are in the small business world for their life. You know, I mean, you, you can make mediocrity work in a, in a decent market, right? But when a little stress gets put on that business, that, that part of your business that you knew was the cheaper cut of meat or the chef that maybe wasn't up to par, that's when he, all that gets exposed. But I'll say this about the chef, going back to the, the analogy, we, we were really talking about where we landed today in our business and when we started here. The chef is my guy in my restaurant that needs to take up. I don't need him to let that bad piece out of the kitchen. Somebody has to take complete ownership over that. It can't be, hey, you know, some cuts of meat are good, some are bad. It's, you know, some customers are going to get a good experience. Some are going to. Now, I'm trusting the good chef here to tell me, you know what, this cut of meat that we're paying for is consistent every time. This, you know, we we got what we got because when we're not getting the results, when people aren't coming back or we're getting bad reviews or people are sending that steak back, who are we looking at? Well, we're looking at the chef, man. We're looking at the business owner and the chef. So let's put that on a continuum a little bit. What if that chef gets an order for the the New York strip? That's the last New York strip. You don't have a choice whether that's a good or bad piece of strip. It should have been checked when it came in the door, you know, upon delivery, but it's there and, and... and he determines that thing's not quite up to par. He's got a decision to make. I go tell the customer, I'm sorry, you drove 150 miles to get the best New York strip in town, and we're out. Or can he pull it off with that piece of meat? That's the power of the chef. Now, it's a continuum. So I think everyone needs to evaluate in their small business how much and how important is the chef how important is the ingredient? How important is the recipe? Because the reality is, depending on your business model, that makeup may look differently. But if you're not reviewing those, each of those, com- those components, you may actually influence the wrong thing. You may say that, well, this chef sucks. Like he, he's not making it work. But you're buying the worst product. You're setting him up for so much failure. Or it could be the opposite's true. You've got a pretty good piece of meat in there, and we're getting regular, you know, bad performance here on on uh, on our reviews for for the meat 
uh, you know, for the from from the customer. So that's again, that's all measuring. It's pulling that ruler out. Well, here, here. it's asking the question: How are we doing? Give me some feedback. Let me look at the data in real form. Right. So that's what I was going to say. So ultimately, it's quantifying all that, right? And ultimately, ultimately, it's saying, you know. Joe, we had a couple people send steaks back yesterday. I don't know about this chef we hired, man. He just uh, he's he's sending out raw steaks. We we need to fire him. Well, are we dismissing the idea that we had, you know, a thousand other customers who are fans of it? So, so sometimes it's your gut feel, you know, especially in small business where we don't necessarily always have the ability to put data behind every every single component. I mean, again, just to make it real, we talk about our business. You know, we uh, in the property management business. I mean, look, we're we're dealing with tough circumstances. It's fluid a lot here. It, we we can get you know we can get folks calling up. Uh, we we took a security deposit, or somebody's debating whether or not there was a uh, a, a stain on a carpet. People aren't happy, and we're we're it feels like a negative kind of review or a negative conversation, or we get negative reviews. Well, you know, I think you got to be a little slow to make huge directional changes based on one or two. That's why the data is so important. That's why tracking it, uh, you know, if it's consistent over time, you're hearing it every month, you're hearing it all the time. It's affecting your, your revenue here. Well, now there's a directional change that might need to take place, but otherwise maybe it's just the squeaky wheel and that squeaky wheel syndrome is dangerous to your small business. So part of part, part of pulling the, the, the tape measure out is, is, is doing when I say data, some of it's just doing some simple math, you know, because you do you get the you get the, the the waitress that comes up and says, "My God, I mean, we're just we're just we can't get steaks right. We're, we, we can't you know, this these New York strips are never coming out right when so and so is here or you know something of the, of that sort." And the reality is, okay, if that's if that's something I want to take as is true, let's go now look at the feedback. And on the nights, and do some real math. Okay, you know, 159 steaks were served, and we got two complaints with this chef. 175 steaks were served, we got one complaint with this chef. You know, let's don't draw conclusions that aren't there. Um, and so sometimes our, oftentimes our emotion comes, you know, involved in our reaction to any situation. We we personally got attacked by somebody. So it is a much larger problem mm. than maybe it really is. That's right. And that's why the data, even simple data, can give you some real answers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you, you start throwing the, uh, look, everybody in the small business world wants to feel like that business is a reflection of them. And so one bad review, one bad phone call, one complaint feels like, frankly, you're, you're failing in the moment. In that moment, you feel like, man, I've, you know, I've sacrificed my whole life, put all my savings into this business, and this person just hates it. The result for them was horrible. And maybe you even agree. Maybe you say, yeah, we screwed it up. Look, I mean, again, is it a pattern? Is it something that is going to cause a directional change? I mean, you're as a small business owner, speaking to small business owners, I mean, you're the captain of the ship. You're you're capable of making directional changes, but if you're already headed in the right direction. And you're just experiencing a bump or a, you know, a, a big wave here. It's also your responsibility to stay on course. And 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 it always feels good as the entrepreneur. Uh, and we talked about this today. It certainly feels good for me to go. Hey, let's just let's chart a new course. 
this this feels bumpy. Let's let's go another course. I mean, sometimes that's right, sometimes that's wrong. It's 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 a you know it's a data driven decision though. Well, and 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 we must self reflect first. I mean, ultimately in small business, if if things are bumpy and something's not working, we first need to look at ourselves and go, what have we contributed or not contributed to the course here? Uh, what what commitments have we made or not made that have affected the outcome of the plan? The plan may not even be bad, Travis. The plan may be sound. But the execution, even from us, the chef, or someone on the team is not there, but the plan is solid. You know, th- th- these, th- these are things I want to encourage small business people is don't get reactionary. Don't make hasty, quick decisions. Spend time truly reflecting, and, and we call this the big truths of small business because we are truly in seek of the, the, the truths about ourselves as humans, as business people, relationships. What? How can we positively and negatively impact our business many times in ways that we're not even realizing? We, we don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, we need to learn truths about human nature, truths about leaders, truths about followers, truths about so many aspects of business so we are not blinded by ourselves. And that's what we talked a lot about today is, hey, listen, if, if, if you're in a small business and you've only got three people in your business and you're assigning roles or responsibilities to somebody who have no business doing those roles and, and maybe can't execute on them, and then you look later and go, well, why haven't we executed it? Mm-hmm. Well, then that's your problem because you, you we we've expected something that that, that can't happen really. Uh, well, that's that. I think that's where the the course changes come when it's a wrong course change. Often is when my expectations are out of line, maybe with what's happening, and then I go, well, well. So so the natural thing would be you said. So we're talking to a guy earlier today who's a great guy. He's working on our uh, our SEO stuff. He's working on pay per click campaigns for us. And uh, you, you said to him, you said, hey, what's the definition of uh, insanity or some version of that, right? You know, doing, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, I mean, just how many times do we actually do that? And that sounds so, we've all heard that, but man, we do it all the time. We just sort of, we do. You we, know, we, 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 we keep living this kind of groundhog day existence and then waking up going, wow, wow. Hey, Joe, why aren't the numbers higher? What's, what's even, even crazier, Travis, is we'll take that scenario and go, well, maybe if we throw more money at it, maybe that'll change the results. Money's always the answer. Let's throw yeah. more money at the same thing that's not producing results. The same way. Yeah. And let's and, and, and by God, we should get more or, results. Or let's hire somebody. You know what? And let's, let them manage the same bad process. Let's hire the savior. <laughs> Where is the savior? Let's hire the savior. Listen, I suggest that, you know, small business owner, you're the chef. You should have some sous chefs in the kitchen too. You've got some people carrying out some pretty major roles there, but you're the chef. And the chef has a 360 view of this all the time. The chef don't lie to themselves. The chef's got to be very conscientious when they get feedback from the, from their customer that, that there's a, a problem with the product. I mean, this is a big deal. You know, he, he can't lie to himself and say, well, that's a great recipe 
I don't know what their problem is if he's getting enough data back to say it's not. And so, um, you know, I think it's just a great visual for 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 small. But I think we're talking, you know, under twenty employees type businesses here. But I mean, it applies to bigger businesses as well. But uh, you're the chef, man. You are the yeah, chef. Yeah, I mean, even if you literally own a restaurant and you actually aren't the chef, you're still the chef. I mean, when I when I go to that restaurant, I'm going to your restaurant. I don't even know who the chef is. Chef's behind a closed door. I'm going to Joe's restaurant, or I'm going to who, whoever is the general, you know, whoever is the face. Yeah, because of your cook may be cooking the recipe that you gave him. <laughs> well, oh, by the way, he's cooking the product you ordered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've you've set everything up anyway. You're completely responsible, and that's. You know that's the hard part here, frankly, is is when we get uh, either a negative review or what have you. And we talk a lot about problem. I mean, you and I are big believers in, in trying to create a good process and trying to put employees in place that can work within a good process. It's hard. It's extremely hard because there's a lot of constraints around doing that. But I always feel responsible for anything that goes wrong uh, with, with the business. Anytime I hear a complaint, it definitely starts out personal. Now, I'll say this. It starts out personal, and a lot of times it starts out with me wanting to deflect it because it it is personal and it is emotional. And so if I let it in and I say, well, you know, it is on me and we did screw that up, which means I screwed it up, no matter which one of our folks maybe made a phone call or an email or didn't. You know, at the end of the day, that's the attitude that I think ultimately wins. And I think the quicker you get to that perspective on your small business, which is everything that happens under this roof, everything is a reflection of me and the decisions I made who, who I put in place, did it at the end of the day. So, so I own it. So, but so if I own it, I also own the decision-making around it, not happening again. So, you know, one of the things I thought was interesting about our process today was, you know, look, everything's not known, but the results are, we can look at the results we're getting today. We can look in the mirror and go, we own these results. That that we can do. The PL don't lie. PL don't lie. They don't lie. That so might be a song. It could be a song. <laughs> we wrote a song today, by the way, but but it you know, the PL don't lie. Yeah. And uh it just underscores that look, there's business owners that don't even have real PLs. I, I I just say so so here's here here's something I gotta say to, to folks that are listening. This is one of those things if I was a uh clairvoyant or, or what, what would you say a prophet this is what i would say joe joe somebody's listening right now that needs to hear this here's something Here, here's an answer when your small business isn't going right and you haven't ruined your credit score are you ready hey just go borrow some money oh, oh there's a solution oh. if i had if i had one more piece of equipment if i had a little bit of a cushion if i had some marketing money oh, if i had some marketing money i could throw i could Torch this thing, man. Listen, <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard it in my own business with people who throw external factors in front of their own success. Now, we got to be careful as the chef in the, in the kitchen here that, that those are real factors. They very well could be personal factors for that particular individual. Um, and... So again, I go back to the data. Okay, if 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 it is true, for example, this is something way back when I can just tell you that we are charging too much for our application fee, and and that's why we're having a problem renting properties. Mm-hmm. I need to see the data thereof. Mm-hmm. 
Or are we talking about one or two properties that you're trying to lease? And that is, and at the time, we, you know, we, we had assigned properties for each agent. And that, you know, two of your five properties are just not leasing. And you're making the example that the, that, that the application fees are too, too high. Maybe the price of the property is too high. Maybe the condition's not where it should be. Uh, there's all kinds of factors that could have made those properties not lease, but it's the bottom line is, is is we're throwing some some barriers up to really what may be the real answer. And why would they do that? Well, if I was a leasing agent, I brought on this property and I priced it and I, I set the rent. Do I first want to admit that that's the problem? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure find out something that's not my fault. And uh, well, that's that goes back to the uh, the biases that we talked about. I mean, oh. it, now now you've created a situation where somebody has an ownership, but you know, again, not taking ownership of the problem, right? I mean, yeah, that's a pretty good example. I mean, an application fee. I mean, frankly, for anybody to rent, unless it's just you know absolutely exorbitant and crazy and, and ridiculous, but you know, a few dollars on an application fee is not why somebody you know generally speaking is not renting a house. So, but there's patterns to this stuff, you know. There's, there's patterns to overpricing. Now, look, I've been in the business long enough. There's patterns to, uh, you know, every real estate investor wants to get top dollar for their rental property. You know, so if you price every property according to the first guess of any real estate investor, chances are we're overpricing property. So if our time on the market is extended, if homes are sitting out there and they're not renting, you know, sure, you, you you go to the price of the property and see if there's a pattern. That's a good, to me, that's a good course. That, that's like perfect uh, review of feedback there. Hey, we're Listen, consistently overpricing. Properties. All things being equal, if I've got 10 properties on the market and I've got eight properties moving in less than 30 days and I got two that are sitting out there at 60 days, it ain't our application fees. No. You know, it, it, it's not a, 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 process problem there's something unique to those properties that's not working we'll say the same thing about the chef and the the menu if you know many small business restaurants do not really audit their sales they don't audit what they sell of each item on the menu in any given month and so but if i did if i did the data and i audited it and i and i and i got you know 15 entrees and I've got three entrees that just don't sell. You know, I got to be real careful to, to, to understand why they don't sell. Is it that it's not very good and people don't reorder it? Is it overpriced? Is it not a fit for the area? Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of reasons that it could be, and, and, and we've got to dial in on that. So, so here's what I'm kind of becoming a fan of in our business. Um, so I, I handle sales. In, in what we do here, I respond. If you want to rent your house, you fill out a form or you contact us, I'm going to call you back. And so over time, here's what's proven effective with that is just directly asking. You know, it's amazing. You want to ask the right person in order to collect your data. I mean, that's really what you're getting to here is if I really want feedback on that stake, I don't need to ask my server how she felt about it or he felt about it. I don't need to ask the customer sitting two booths over that ordered a hamburger. I need to ask that guy that ate that steak. And I need to ask a, a bunch of guys that ate that, that steak. And then I kind of collect that feedback and, and make course corrections thereof. And, and even the ones that you are selling well, still get the feedback. 
Get why? The yeah, get, why are they selling so get, well? Get the feedback. Have you ordered that one before? That's right. Is this your repeat? No. Do you have it underpriced? That's right. If I'm listen, if I'm if I'm selling, you know, if I'm a Chick-fil-A restaurant and I know my money's made on fries and sweet tea. And, you know, I sell that sandwich and I'm getting whatever percentage of, of fries that I, that I have deemed appropriate to go along with those sandwiches. Let's just say, you know, 70%. 70% of the time I want to sell a fry to go with it because the industry tells me that. That's where I would get that data. McDonald's, Wendy's, other, you know, that's, you know, I'm, you know that's, that's what the industry says. I'm not saying that's what the industry says, by the way. I'm saying, as, as an example, that number didn't come out of clear, clear blue. Maybe I want to do 75 and do better than that. But I'm doing 60%. Well, there's some there's some understanding here to see what what's happening. Do I have an inferior fry? Am I overpriced on my fry? And 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 by doing this, you can really impact sales in your business when you make some minor adjustments. Sometimes you gotta test it. Yeah. Hey, let's drop the price of that fry. Let's throw a secondary. Chick fil A did this. By the way, I worked for Chick fil A for 15 years. Chick fil A did this. They did a straight fry fry for a while. Mm. Straight fry and waffle fry. Waffle fry was not the always the fry for Chick Fil A. Oh no, no. Well, the straight fry was the original. It was fry for Chick Fil A. It yeah. was. They still so, serve it in uh, Hateful. Uh, yeah, some of them do. So, <laughs> so why'd they bring the waffle fry in? Well, you know they they wanted some uniqueness. They wanted you know people to come not just for their Chick Fil A sandwich, but you know I want to come for they, they're the only ones in town with waffle fries. Right. Yeah. And they're the only ones in town with fresh squeezed lemonade. Right. And so, you know, these, there's some great learnings here of looking at the data. Yeah, it helps you differentiate. Track the data. Yeah. You, you, Pull your measuring stick out, guys. It can, can do so many different things. Um, one of the things we talked about today, too, that I think is pretty valuable in terms of measuring is you kind of got to, and this is the old saying, you know, begin with the end in mind, right? I mean, if we're measuring stuff, that's where we're at. We want to measure where we want to go. We, we need to know where we want to go with this. We need to know when we sit, sit down, we talked about a marketing budget today, which, you know, hard dollars. We're willing to do X as far as spend here. That's based on where we want to go with the business, right? So that number changes too. I mean, you, 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 you sort of chart a course for today. You take risk, like we discussed today, based on where you want to go tomorrow. So in terms of measuring sticks, I mean, I think you got to be real. You know, I mean, when we start looking at competitors in our business, you start, you know, I mean, that's, again, you got to, you're kind of talking benchmarks now, you know, know, know your numbers. Well, who's dominating your space right now? You know, who, who is your number one competitor? What are they doing? What are their strengths? Doesn't mean you have to mimic them or try to make your strengths match them, but you kind of get a, a sense for a ceiling or, or at least a, 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 a you know, the, the high point of what can be done in your market. And, you know, we sort of did some of that today and took a look at that. And then you kind of begin to work backwards. I mean, is your goal, look, you know, we, we live in America. So the goal needs to be to dominate, right? Every single time we step on uh, the court or the field or whatever, we're going to win, dominate. But maybe not everybody's Shoot, goal should. is to be the number one in their I category. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing to add to the tape measure here. And that is clearly defining your goals. What are you measuring against if there's not a goal to begin with? Right. 
And then to your point, that goal needs to make sense. And one of the things we talked about today is we also dupe ourselves on what our real goals are. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, if I asked a quick question uh, to, to someone who, who hasn't pre-thought about this, and it's, I want a quick response, and I say, <clears throat> you know, business-wise, what's your number one goal? Overwhelmingly, I'll get a response. To, uh, I, I want to get, you know, I don't get the six fig- figures. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that's a very common response. Sure. But truly, when you dig deeper, and this is not all people, but a great percentage of people, if you dig deeper, what we find is that, that, that the six figures is really only a tool for their even larger goal. Mm-hmm. What's their larger goal? They don't spend more time with their family. They feel like that if they can earn the income and they can kick off their side job or whatever else is consuming their time by moving up the ranks and getting off the, you know, the maybe manual labor and getting more to their brain thinking that, you know, they come home and I was tired. I mean, whatever it may be, right. but maybe their larger goal was, I want to spend more time with my family. I want to have a little bit more control over my time. I want to be able to retire five years earlier than I can at the current pace. That's the real goal. Sure, right. And the money is just a tool. And so so I say all that to say that when you start looking at your small business, if if all we're doing is very flatly saying and looking at and saying, well, yeah, I, I just need 10 more properties a month. If we just add 10 more properties a month, then we're we're okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be where we need to be. Um, the, the reality is, is that's not really the goal. That's a... a you know, that's the growth needed to potentially meet a financial number or, Travis, maybe that's the number we need to get to, say, 600 properties and 600 properties is where we can hire a, a, a hire that we can't afford right now. And by doing that, that frees up our time mm-hmm. and puts my business a little bit more on autopilot than it ever was. And maybe right. that, so, so we need to dig deep about what are we trying to accomplish in our small business? Yeah. What for us, are we doing this for? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? And make sure you're shaping the direction around. Use the tape measure of your goals to make sure that you're not going to spend an exorbitant amount on money, of money on marketing that's going to create this, this bubble effect that then pushes, maybe it puts you in an 80-hour work week for two years. Right. You, you, you can't forget that, that marketing and, and like we talked about today, lead generation. I want people calling us saying, hey, I want to sign up with your business I, or I want to, you know, whatever your business does, customers are walking in. The door. I mean, that, that uh, man, if that was easy, this is something else we, we discussed. If that was easy, you know, the, the whole thing that everybody said, everybody be doing it or everybody be successful, that, this isn't easy, right? In fact, it might be harder than you think, which is a song, by the way. That we wrote. It's a little bit of a song. Um, but tenacity here is something I want to talk about. And and when you start talking about goals and measuring things, and where do you want to go, Joe? What do you want your business to look at? What do you want to do? I mean, you can't get away from the idea, man, I want to succeed. I do. I want to, you know, I want to do well in my business. And, and it is important to know the purpose of it. But, you know, we talked about some competitors that we compete against. And here, here's the reality that we have to face. We don't have the budget right now to compete against these people. That's right. 
It's it, it, it may be our we, we may look at them and go, oh, that's the big guy in our industry. I want to take him down. I want, I want to I want to be where they're at plus one. Well, you know, you eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? And and it's a little anti entrepreneurial, which is why I think so many entrepreneurs get into trouble in this category of spending on marketing, is because man, our 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 inner self just wants to go 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 go. But just like whatever you're doing, running a, 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 a shop, fixing cars or a restaurant or whatever you're doing there, you know you know that what you're doing ain't easy. You know that what you're doing came through a mentorship or you learned it over years. You work for somebody else. And this is the culmination of a lot of time and energy and knowledge. Marketing your business is too. And just writing checks for it uh, often is not the solution. So it's harder than you think. You got to be more tenacious than you think. And looking at the biggest competitor, while it's a benchmark for the high end and maybe the ultimate result that you could get to, it can also be pretty defeating because the fact of the matter is, you know, one of our competitors here and well, well, it's about expectations, like you said. Yeah, you're putting your expectations way beyond where you are. You're constantly kind of getting defeated, even if you're right. succeeding a little mm-hmm. bit, frankly, which is, you know, again, you and I are a little bit guilty of that, is even, even though we're kind of checking things off the box. Uh, from time to time, we don't take any any time. We we've set the sights so high. So, you know. Any, anyway, I, I think when you look at that top competitor and you're so focused on them, I mean, one of our guys. What I was going to say is, man, I mean, are, are we prepared to spend fifty thousand dollars a month on the radio? Right. I mean, really? We, uh, no, no. So, pretty simple answer. So, is it fair then for our for us to look at our numbers, you know, next month or even in six months and go, hey, they need to look like our number. We, we need to be crashing market share for that. No, it's this is ridiculous. Yeah, and you just you just reminded me of something that I want to share, which is, you know, one of the things I've heard in business over and over again is if 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 you're not growing, you know, you're 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 failing or you're shrinking. falling or yeah. shrinking. Right. And I, I'm going to trump, I'm going to trump that saying a little bit here. Cause I think that saying is talking specifically about actual sales revenue growth. Okay. I think that's what it's talking about. That's what people mainly use it for. And I want to say this, that if, if all we're doing is focusing on strictly top line revenue, what we're going to miss is what's the personal growth that I need to go through to become a better leader to manage a team in a double the size business. Cause I tell you what, there's been a lot of people that have spent their life savings building a business and growing it beyond their ability to lead and manage and shut doors. And so what I want to say is, is that let's be real careful here that, that we are, are not looking at other things in terms of growth that are so valuably important to, to making it to some of these higher level goals and sales goals. And so personal development and personal growth, hopefully maybe one of the reasons why people are listening to this podcast is, I don't know, maybe the highest investment you should make in, in, in your business is in your personal development and growth and education, because you as a leader you are the chef and you are the limiting factor to how good ultimately that steak is going to be delivered to the table. I, I would, I would say that a lot of successful guys out there, if the business, as you say, outpaces them in terms of professional development, emotional development, then ultimately we kind of see that train wreck eventually. 
you know, not, not only personally, and we see that a lot with, with folks that business is, you know, going crazy and there's kind of personal stuff going on that, that doesn't match, but eventually that catches up with the business too. Oh, there's no question. You know, a lot of times it starts personal, but eventually it affects the bottom line. So then it affects all the, you know, the folks working for you and all that. I, I agree totally. And I think one of the things that you and I are learning, and we'll sort of chart here on the program a little bit, is, you know, it's okay to bring people in. Uh, it, it's okay to, 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 again, take that. Now, this is the hard, again, the hard part's taking the personal evaluation, in my opinion, and saying, here's where I'm really deficient at. And you know what? <laughs> Over the last 10 years, I hadn't made up any ground in this area of my life. So in order to work on that area of my life, because that's not acceptable, that's going to end up, I'm going to end up crashing there, then I need to bring somebody in. And I need to free up some time because, look, the, the, the idea of multitasking, and I've heard a lot about this recently. It's a big topic. And I, I kind of tend to agree with where the thought is now. You might do a lot of stuff or get a lot of stuff done, but you're not doing a lot of things at the same time. You're not doing a lot of things well that not way either. well if you're doing them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, knowing when to bring somebody in, I think, would be a kind of a, a self-awareness piece to that of, hey, my business is growing. Things are getting a little out of control here. Maybe eclipsing my leadership in. Hey, it's okay to bring a leader in that's just a leader, you know, that, that may not know all the ins and outs of your particular industry. Uh, leadership's valuable. You know, look, let's just give an example of this. Uh, you know, Truett Cathy, Chick-fil-A, I mean, when, when he, when he kind of built a business uh, – to the level that he did, which is actually relatively small, but he stumbled across a pretty phenomenal product. And through that product, it became, and that was the Chick-fil-A sandwiches. It was that breading, that coating, that, 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 the boneless breast of chicken sandwiches, that, first one. Is there a Facebook story here where he stole that? Can you tell me that? No, you're not, not going to break that no, on the no, podcast, no, no, no. He didn't you? steal it. In fact, people stole it from him. No, he, he, he was stole the, it from the Kentucky Fried He was the original, guy. man. He was the original. And so... Now, seriously, is that his story? He invented that. Yes. Personally, true, it did. It wasn't Absolutely. like his mother's recipe. No, 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 it was like, his. Okay. No, no. And when uh, when business began to to, to grow, um, out of just his hard efforts and how he did business, but then a product that was special, and there were other people and other restaurants that wanted to license this product, and that was kind of the, some of the early growth of Chick Fil A as they would. Uh, they, they would license this, and it wasn't called Chick-fil-A back then, but they would license this this product out, and it wasn't being done very well. Truett had the wherewithal to go, wow, like I've got something amazing here, and it's way beyond my ability to do something major with it. And he, and he brought in uh, Jimmy Collins uh, as the, uh, the president of the company who had external experience in big business. And, and, and really took that business with Truett and just catapulted And there's a name nobody would even know. Huh? That never, I mean, you know, obviously people on the in the 60s, would, In the 60s, Jimmy, Jimmy Collins. Um, it, it was actually, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right about this, the first branded Chick-fil-A store, Jimmy was already there. Oh, wow. They opened up the Greenbrier yeah. Green Mall. And... Uh, and it was, I think, his idea as a strategy to start in the malls. Hmm. And there was already foot traffic there. Nobody knew us. Lower cost. Let's get there yeah. where the foot traffic already is, and let's let's get our product in their, in, in, in their mouths, and they'll keep buying it. And and so it's just a great story because what's Chick-fil-A doing now? I mean, I think they're, you know, $10 billion in sales. They're debt-free. They're a couple thousand, 2,500 stores. 
an amazing story, all privately owned. Well, I mean, you know, there, no secret. I'm a big, big Chick Fil A fan. I think we only eat there, you know, nine days a week. But the the, the reality is, and we've we've discussed this. There's better products than Chick Fil A. There's a lot. There, there, there's there's to, to me, even in even in the fast food category existing now, there's more preferable products that I would if you rather, pick any rather, individual rather product yeah just as far as like, we're just talking taste and but, but when product. you leave it all together everything they put together putting, the, all the ingredients putting it together it's all the ingredients it's it's, it's can it, I get putting it together but it's it's tremendous leadership the one thing that Truett and, and that family has kind of personified is getting out in front on the leadership piece is is has been the strongest component to that not the product I mean, products very good P- products. No products good, yeah. and it's good enough. That's right. When you when you couple it with some pretty other very powerful. Boy, there's another podcast very, right there. The good enough man. Oh, keep putting your foot on trying boy, to make we, it. We, oh. we may have to 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 we we'll have to wrap it up on that. Good, good enough. enough. Maybe another one in the making. Sometimes good enough is good enough. But until then, we want to thank you from Travis and Joe. At listening to the big truths of small business. Come back and see subscribe. us again. Oh, yeah. Hey, please subscribe to our podcast. We never asked share you to do it. that. Subscribe, share. We want you to sub- subscribe and share. Go to yesirent.com. You can go there and you can subscribe there. You can go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, tune in, all of them. They're everywhere. And uh, based on that, we're going to sign out, guys. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Replace good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth, we got the truths, we got the big truths of small business sponsored by SIREN. I'll tell you what, guys, that is an original song. Are we going to go in the songwriting business? Oh, we're doing it for free now. Signing out. See you guys. <laughs>